0: Hi, and welcome to the Slush podcast. As you probably know, Slush is the world's leading startup event. You're about to hear an interview conducted at Slush 2017 on the Foundry Studio stage where the biggest names in tech sit down for an intimate Q&A. James Young is a double amputee who turned to Bionics with the same excitement he'd always had for futuristic tech. Rattu Koivista talked with him about what's next in robot-human interaction.
1: So uh, you had a panel discussion at the Fire Inside chat and you were talking a lot, lot about uh, like uh, sex robots and privacy issues. Do you want to recap your angle where you're coming from into this uh, technology and human-computer interaction? Uh, subject. Like, what is your background with with all of these things? Well, I guess it kind of stems from, weirdly
0: enough, I don't know, I I studied biology as a student, but almost kind of got interested in cybernetics and robotics. Um, But I went for like a more general degree. And then I had this accident in 2012. And essentially it kind of began me thinking more about what can technology do to kind of fill the space that I have it's kind of I thought I felt like the the first thing I did was think I should just contact researchers I should talk to all the universities and say like here I am with this kind of good framework that you can build upon just construct upon and that kind of that began the journey thinking about how technology even stuff like wearables and how technology affects human society like why we make what we do and how that kind of affects us in return because it has like a, a circular knock-on effect. But I'm really fascinated by it.
1: Okay, and th- that that's a very very big field of things. What is like that? What are some of the most interesting things that you are uh, work, working or w- waiting for, like in 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 that field? Like uh, there there are wearables, and there are like you can get new senses, and you can get like um, w- new ways of moving. But w- what are the things that you are especially excited right now? I think I.
0: Would love to see technology like we were talking about with the sex robots it 's a contentious issue, but what I am excited for is a way that technology could potentially fill some of the gaps in modern society where we have changed our way of living, how we communicate with each other, and is there a way that technology can kind of fill in and be more human to us where we 're actually kind of quite cold, especially in in London, towards each other in the public, like how can technology kind of Im- improve human existence and help us be more human? Even with things like uh, quite something that really interests me is the potential for mental health AI. Or there's there's chatbots that are being made that can you, you speak to the chatbot, you can tell it all of your issues, and it kind of helps you with a psychologically approved framework of responses. To help you deal with your issues, and in, in a world where kind of mental health is becoming more and more critical, and people are taking more and more days off work because of that reason, and there's a lack of people to like support those people, and they don't have like access to mental health services, if technology can fill in that gap and make us all feel
1: better, <laughs> potentially, I feel like that's really exciting. Well, yeah, that's that's totally something something very very interesting. Um, yeah, I, I think actually we have some of those started who are working in that field here here in Helsinki uh, but yeah so how about like the automation and robotics like uh what what do you think like um, obviously like augmenting the human human body is something that you are very very interested in and it's something that is really fascinating um, and and you've been you've been following the tech uh, evolving like these couple of years. Uh, where is it going next? And when when is it gonna be like like um, for like what are the next big steps to come come out of the, this like o- augmenting the human body? Right. So the initial thought is that technology
0: is is good. We've made really advanced things. Obviously we can build incredibly complicated machines. The problem that kind of persists all the time is that we don't have effective reliable ways to communicate our physical intent to the technology and what I mean is that like you could have a robot arm that's really exquisitely made and has So, so many abilities, but the problem now is how do we get the signals from the brain to the arm? And essentially what we have is like trying we try to pick up muscle signals like twitching of muscles that electro uh, electromyographic signals or we kind of tap into nerves and have little sheaths that kind of sit and are engineered to sit on your nerves and pick up the signals. But even those, it's so fine a technology that they can scar over and kind of deteriorate very quickly. So that's the main challenge, is just how do we get the information from our brains
1: to these awesome pieces of kit? And how, how can we reliably connect to them? Okay, so that's the next, next big challenge. I don't know what Elon Musk is doing with the neural link, but sounds something similar. For sure, I mean there's, they use technologies that kind
0: of remind me of the Neuralink because there's things called stentrodes, which are these kind of microelectrodes that they plan to feed up into the blood, vessel, the blood vessels of the neck, into the brain. With multiple, multiple, multiple ones of these, so they kind of sit inside your brain. They've worked their way up inside. (laughs) So scary. (laughs) To pick up up all of the signals. Yeah. In a kind of not, it's semi-invasive because there's a potential that these electrodes could again be rejected or cause unforeseen circumstances. So they tend to use it on people that are like fully paralyzed and paraplegic that want to risk these kind of changes. In historically, they kind of literally cut open your skull peel it off put down an array of electrodes over your cortex and seal it back up with a plug sticking at the top which
1: is like open to infection and all manner of problems so so new way sounds, sounds still better than the old one yeah um so um are you do you feel that you are self like technology optimists when it when it comes to uh, living together with the robots in the future like we were all this discuss- are uh, you were discussing about the uh, sex robots and then you were asking like how many of you guys over there in the uh, audience would be willing to have sex with a robot if if i would give you one right now and there were like not many hands, I, I I can say, barely like three, I guess, and it was big audience. Like, <laughs> are you optimistic or or pessimistic about living the, with the robots? Living with robots, we do <laughs> oh, already,
0: but y- yeah, it's that extra step of having kind of forming human human esque, human style relationships with technology. It's really quite difficult because they don't they're just robots they're systems and they don't have the complexity of a human being but you do see people kind of projecting human anthropomorphizing objects like even uh, sony's aibo the robot dog in japan they have discontinued the old model for quite some time and they have like specialist industries that have come up to help fix unofficially all of these robot dogs because people become so attached to them (laughs) and they even have funerals and burial grounds for these robot dogs so, even if the technology is not quite perfect, I feel like the imagination of a human being can really transform something that isn't actually quite complex enough and
1: imbue it with imaginary qualities. Okay, so you feel like we we will in the future we will live with the robots, but we will also be very empathizing with them, and we will.
0: Yeah, with the increasing complexity of the system, I think. One of the main barriers now is like natural language and communication Yeah, in the same way that we can't really communicate like physical intent for robotic limbs. Just communicating with robots by speech isn't really reliable yet because the microphone can't quite hear you. There's like you've got the kettle on on the microwaves buzzing and it doesn't yeah. quite catch you. It starts to think you're talking about some strange movie or something and tells you some facts. It just completely just destroys that potential connection because it's like just takes you out of that moment.
1: Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. So uh, we have a question from uh, audience. Uh, there was a new word, so that's why I looked like this. But uh, how would you, how would a platform economy business model look like in the teledildonics big data world? So uh, I'm guessing this refers to the last discussion about the uh, sex sex do- toys. I know that. Like uh, you were you were discussing about about the privacy issues and sex toys and all that. But how? What What do you feel? Did you got up some good ideas about business models in the uh, sex toy or that industry?
0: I feel like this is probably not my ex- uh, yeah, field. Yeah, yeah, I, I yeah. sort
1: sure of But you can share if you want. Like,
0: um, I mean, <laughs> models. I don't know, but I feel like. The products are increasingly being developed in teleonics so there's like a potential to capitalize on that market especially with, like Stephanie said that there is a patent to a patent about smart devices that's going to expire soon so everyone is racing to achieve like the best product in that in that regard and potentially I don't know it's maybe a really general thing to say, but as we kind of have a more globalized society and people having relationships, uh, across countries and distances, it kind of opens, opens that door to more uses for that kind of technology. Even stuff like uh, the hay bracelet, which is something that you wear around your wrist and some your partner can touch the wrist and it gives your wrist like a little hug and it just goes and So it's kind of like you're always connected to that person. So I don't know if you're gonna have a <laughs> sex toy that you would always wear, but uh, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> <We'll see>. yeah.
1: <laughs> okay, okay. Very interesting. Um, and there are a lot of startups over over here in Slas. Um, what would be like a challenge that you would like to see uh, some startup to start working on? Uh, like, what, what needs to be fixed in this is in this world? I don't know about fixed, but I feel like if you begin with amputees,
0: that's kind of the platform for uh, exploring the potential of human machine interfaces. And that's something that's been done in a number of ways, even with EEG, EKG caps, like that you wear around your head to pick up brain signals. But it is the really the biggest main challenge. And there's startups here that are developing uh, Cambridge Bio-Augmentation System is trying to develop a osteointegration implant, so a titanium rod that gets put into your bone, uh, where you have a missing limb, and also contains uh, an interface that they would say it's something like USB for the body. So. You have a, this universal compatibility with whatever you want to add to your body. And on the inside, you also have the option to have whichever kind of technology that picks up signals that you'd like. So it's kind of the most flexible interface at the moment. So I think what you would want to explore is the technology that can maybe refine uh, biological signals, potentially, to try and... I think. Where where is the next step in terms of that's amputees? I think in order for technology to move forward, and us have stuff like Neuralink, we need to have people finding the way that at the average shape human body with four limbs, whatever, can yeah, interact yeah. with the technologies too. Because otherwise, there's not enough customers. That's, like you need to have that commercial drive.
1: Yeah. What would be like uh, the uh, main market for for these kind of technology? Like would I like third hand or what, what, what would be the first, first implementation of that sort of technology? I don't know. Very, very interesting. Do you have ideas? How, how could, like, because this, of course, like, yeah, for a company to produce this, it would be smart to have a bigger, bigger market. Do you have idea what, what kind of thing would be, like, mass market product in, in that field?
0: Um, I think initially you'd probably go with simple control signals. So in the same way that you'd have a robot arm that needs these kind of basic signals to operate, I feel like with the potential for, if you think about a USB for the body, you have the potential to control things that are even not localized. So if you think about the human body being super plastic, neuroplastic, it can learn to do things and discover new pathways and reform pathways. So if you have an input, it could be anything that you can imagine. So somebody might have this USB for the body or whatever it is, and use that technology to drive, I don't know, in a critical environment where self-driving cars can't fulfill the job or like flying drones or just controlling even in a warehouse like robotics moving around because you can have that kind of external externality where you can go beyond your own physical current body in its current location and use your brain's neuroplasticity to control things that are kind of uh, what's the word like out outsourced like away from you like extending the human experience and feeling things away from you by the like internet internet connectivity?
1: Yeah, that's that's a very good point. And actually, yeah, I can clearly see that when when that is close to being happened, probably there's going to be lots of investors and companies working working in that field. Um, what do you think? Like, are like uh, what what should happen that these things will? would speed up, like do we need need a competition, a global competition like uh, to start developing these, or do we need more investors, or what? what is the thing that we need right now in order to get this thing forward?
0: I don't know if this is a really dry response, but STEM, Science, Technology, Engineering, math yeah. in schools, and also I think, yeah, we just need to push for it. And in a time where austerity and budget cuts has changed the nature of scientific progress essentially by kind of like, quelling it and keeping it down I feel like there's a, there's a kind of the people are moving away from it, I want to get people more excited, that's why I'm doing my job is I want to communicate how fascinating and interesting potentially things could become and get people like not to think that oh I'm going to wait for this technology to come, like why wait, just study and you can find out, you can be part of something that creates something brand new and
1: changes the world yeah, I, I totally agree that that is a very important, important job and it's like you need this um, inspiring uh, attitude and you need to have have a clear vision because uh, technology is not going to forward by itself, like you really need to do something, something for it. Um, do you think there's a question that uh, you should be answering right now, but I'm not asking you? <laughs> It's, it's a hard one, I know. I think maybe
0: we could talk about uh, kind of bionics potentially and yeah. the future of the human body in terms of augmentation and the limitations behind it. There's going to be a really awesome talk that's going to happen at 3.25 on the central stage where they're going to talk about all these kind of expanding oh. human senses and uh, Cambridge Bioaugmentation Systems will be there talking about the USB for the body. Um, But what's interesting for me is that we are good at making things that are very, like technology that's brutally good at doing narrow things. And it's the same way with robotics. Like they perform obviously repeat tasks that we don't like to do. And if you look at my foot, for example, this is like, it's not, it doesn't have an ankle. It doesn't do much at all. It's fixed. It's just a set of springs. And it, but it allows you to do something differently to a human leg, but it's so limited. So the main problem that we have in terms of trying to recreate a human body is that, sure, you could make a leg that makes people run at 40 miles an hour because it wouldn't be a leg, it would be a set of wheels or something. So it's like we can do specific things really well, but to be able to recreate parts of the human body that have had millions and millions of years of evolution behind them is just still just way too much for
1: us. Yeah, yeah. Um, Okay. Well, if you if you try to encourage people to, to go into this field and and start start ventures ventures in here, uh, what would be the long hang, hanging fruit for for this field? Like, if if I would start a startup, uh, what what should I try to accomplish? Like, what what is the easiest easiest thing to get started? Uh, if you would start start in in this field or. Right.
0: I mean, I'm, I would love to answer that question and yeah, keep yeah. it in my brain and not tell anyone. Oh, hey,
1: come on. Sharing is You <laughs> You have to share your ideas. Execution is all that matters um, and every other cliche. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like
0: the main problem with these things in terms of augmentation is the risk to human beings and the changes to the body that they're not willing to do. And that's why we have wearables because they're like non-permanent; they're impermanent, and you just take them on, put them off. I think it's going to be so difficult, and there's like background communities that are biohacking and changing their genomes now to different genetic codes to imbue themselves with new qualities of, of of augmented abilities. So it's. It's mainly like regulation that's behind this and also people not willing to risk things. So I don't know what, but I feel like there must be some technology that interacts with the body in a kind of impermanent way, but is more connected to us than stuff like wearables because it's something in between. Yeah, they're not quite there. Like people, you can't really rely on a wearable and maybe that's due to battery technology. Who knows? Yeah, Yeah. Maybe there's stuff like... Uh, transferring, like, how do we power wearables from our body? Maybe that, yeah, in a way that like makes them work forever. Yeah, like the main thing that I find with stuff like step tracking and fitness and stuff is that your your watch runs out and you're about to do some like running or something and then suddenly you just lost this data. So like, how do we make sure we don't lose data? How do we make sure that our metrics are valid because they're on all the time?
1: Okay, uh, you mentioned about regulation. Do you know is there something that you really like to fix in regulation or change right now or
0: uh, it's a tough one. I feel like I I this is a controversial topic, but like with the CRISPR-Cas9 uh, genetic engineering that's changing the people are changing the their cells by like localized injections of yeah of, of of these plasmids, like that has suddenly just been shut down and made illegal by the FDA without kind of any investigation or anything so it's kind of they've immediately shut it down and it's weird because it's annoying because how do we kind of progress as human beings without having some dangerous levels of exploration I guess it's it sucks but I guess we have to protect people I don't really understand Uh. but the the regulation (laughs) process is almost so strong these days I Potentially, will stop people exploring and discovering things that will change things for the better worldwide.
1: Yeah, that that's a good point. I don't know, like maybe there will be some sort or fast tracks for medical medical stuff in the future when antibiotics are not working or something. I don't know, but I think yeah, there has to be something happening in the yeah. regulatory field.
0: Even stuff like uh, anything that interacts with the human body that's a medical device is subject to really, really, really stringent regulations. Even if it's stuff like the USB for the body, they, even though it's kind of, I guess, potentially like a different class of device because it's it's probably removable and yeah. replaceable, exchangeable, but it's subject to like the same regulations that you'd find on a pacemaker, for example, that has to keep someone alive. Yeah. And you can see why they would want to make that device. It's going at your heart <laughs> to be damn probably. good. Yeah. But that kind of applies to everything else and that's quite limiting. I feel like we should oh, yeah. broaden the spectrum of like devices that interact with the human body and the regulation around those.
1: Yeah, that sounds very very good idea. I didn't even know that regulations are the same for <laughs> things that you put in your heart and maybe in your toe. Okay. Um, yeah, there's a question from the audience. Um, clearly there is a trust issue when you are... Um, putting something in your brains, or or controlling something with your brains. Uh, so the question is, how can you trust wearables? Uh, because if if they can mine bitcoins with their brain power or something like, uh, do you, do you think that there's great risks in, involved, or what would be your attitude? I, I I like you seem very technology optimistic, but what would you say to people who don't want their brains to be used? In Bitcoin mining. Yeah, I
0: imagine that like a little yeah. software that just accesses you and changes how you behave and respond to things. <laughs> Maybe it would even shut down like your eyesight or something, yeah, and you'd just be like, "Oh yeah. shit!" And then it would say, "You need to send $2,000 to some guy to get your eyesight back." It's 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 a genuine problem, and you see stuff like pacemakers that have wireless connections. I'm talking about pacemakers again. Yeah, yeah, wireless no connections and. There are U.S. politicians that have them and they've said, no, turn that shit off. Like, I don't want people to attack and somehow engineer yeah. through the Bluetooth connection some way that disrupts the power or anything or some code memory leak that just overloads the system. So if you had these, like, stentrodes, these electrodes into your brain, there is a potential that you could, like, cause people some serious harm depending on what is attached to the
1: other people. end of it. Yeah.
0: yeah. it's It's... It's kind of scary. It's like, where do we? what do we want to give? How much control do we want to give away by interacting more and more with technology
1: as it like gets more and more data from us? Yeah. yeah. Sounds like there has to be still some regulations in sure. you know, yeah. Bill. yeah. OK. But yeah, hey, uh, we have run out of time. If there is still some question, we can take one from the audience. But if not, hey, give a round of applause. Thank you very much for Thank coming you. here. Yeah, thanks for the interview. Cheers.
0: Thanks for listening to the Slush podcast. Find out more about Slush at Slush.org. Please rate and review our podcast. And if you haven't yet done so, subscribe to the podcast at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.